Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Willem Dafoe on the Florida Project. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another show this week with a, a first-time guest to Happy, Sad, Confused. Uh, surprisingly so, because Willem Dafoe, I feel like, makes three movies a year, so you would think, just by the law of averages, Sammy, that he would have popped by by My now. head is reeling right now. I can't even concentrate on what you're saying. Why? What's going on? Because it's not William Dafoe. Right. It's Willem Dafoe. Yeah. I'm, I'm regretting that we weren't uh, taping 10 seconds before we started the podcast uh, intro, because uh, when I told Sammy who this intro was for, she was like, oh yeah, William Dafoe. Yeah, and he goes, no, Willem. And I was like, do you have a speech impediment? <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, the answer is yes to both. I just, I this is like when I found out about Mike Myers hosting the Gong Show. This is like, I feel like I've been so stupid all my life. You haven't been the same uh, ever since. No. Um, Willem Dafoe, another, uh, we recently had like Tim Roth on. I put him in that category of like a guy that's like worked with like every cool filmmaker, um, you know, and, and has, and just constantly churns out great work. He's currently starring in a film called The Florida Project. Project that opens uh, as of October 6th. I think it's a, it's like a platform kind of release and it'll, it'll get, get wider and wider because this is a project that um, is getting uh, amazing reviews. Uh, I saw this in Toronto. It's from uh, Sean Baker, who is this uh, uh, young filmmaker who did Tangerine a couple years ago. Mm, did you see Tangerine? Yes. Yeah, this was the, the film shot on the iPhone, Ooh. right? This is, a, this is actually... That was a, a heavy one. It is. That was a heavy one. And this is heavy in some respects. Um, it's kind of a weird slice of life uh, film that you, you don't usually see like, exposed in film. It's basically about um, like a, a kind of transient people that like kind of live in those um, in, in that world in Florida, like near Disney World, but like not on the resort. So oh like, my God. so they're kind of like you know. I in, am in. Yeah, it's kind <laughs> of fascinating. In. So it's kind of like there's sadness and darkness to it in that like it's these are people that are kind of living on the fringes and not doing great in their lives. But it's also told pretty much from a child's perspective, um, and that gives it a lot of humanity and warmth. And it's uh, it's shot beautifully, like it, it's a gorgeous looking film. Uh, and Willem uh, is kind of he's like the only name in the cast, um, and he uh, as such is getting great reviews and is being bandied about as a potential awards contender. I would not be surprised if we see him. I'm ready uh, for him. Yeah, I'm ready for him to get it. Yeah, totally. So, do you think they shot at the Denny's we ate at in Kissimmee, Florida, right outside of Orlando? I blocked that out. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, they no, they didn't. Uh, I don't remember seeing in, in that Denny's or any Denny's. Yeah, context. Um, when we went to Star Wars Celebration in uh, Orlando, yeah. Josh w- w- refused to eat at the hotel anymore. I don't think that was true. You didn't want to eat at that hotel. No, we got back late from a day of going crazy at the theme parks. It was like midnight. And I don't think the hotel restaurant was even open, But Sammy. even before it closed, you were... I have an affection were, for Denny's. I have a Denny's soft spot. And so there's a you know 24 hour Denny's that we went to at midnight. It was dark. It was a dark. It place. was honestly one of the most depressing experiences of my life. Denny's in the wrong con- in the in the wrong place in the wrong time can feel yeah. really dark. In the right place in the right time, I can go Moon's, moon over Miami. I can, you can do some, a grand slam. You can do some good fun things at, at a Denny's. Uh, that. Um, not Denny's at its best. But I still, look, they're still welcome as a sponsor to Happy Sad I was going to say, we still love Denny's. 
Still a friend of the family. If Friendly's wants to sponsor us. Oh, my God. Any of, of that ilk are welcome. Let's get Taco Bell. <laughs> the I Taco know. Bell We're not going to get into okay. our fast food. Right. I'll save that. That's a, that's a good half of the interview with uh, Willem Dafoe is talking about uh, chain oh, restaurants. What a gift for the listeners to hear his <laughs> voice for like yeah. a, just one of the most beautiful voices. He's got a gravitas. In the world. He, he's he's a special one. So uh, without any further ado, let's go right to this conversation. It was a treat to have him on the podcast for the very first time. Here he is, Mr. Willem Dafoe. And what is this? Oh, this so this is um, New Yorkers, um, yep. and this is. Uh, you know, I do sketches, as I was just saying, from time mm-hmm. to time. So for inspiration, oh, we have a great idea. Who would be great for it? I can just look at ah, sort of like I should it. look at this because I don't really know who lives in New York, and I've lived here for a long time. Yeah, how much time do you spend in New York at this point? Not much now. Yeah. But that's because of work. I'm uh, sort of. I've so should, been, I put, should I put half of you on there? No, then? you can. You can. Yeah, all Willem D. <laughs> <laughs> like at grade school. <laughs> oh, you should also know I've just gotten this in the mail a couple of days ago, and I'm trying to decide where in my office to put it. Yeah, yeah. This is this is swag That's for Murder nice. on the Orient That's Express. Nice. I mean, it's I have, good. I have That's the, a nice photo. I, have I look a little thick there, though. I, I was very, <laughs> I, it's good for the character, but it's not a very flattering shot. I have the whole collection here. We could like do trading cards. Yeah, you know we what? can. They're nice. I'll trade you a Ken Branagh for a Judy Dench. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> nice. They're Classy. Nice. They're really good. I'm excited for that one, man. Yeah, it should be fun. That's an amazing collection of, uh, yeah, stress reliever. There's a lot in this office for you, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm C. <laughs> um, yeah, what else, what else do you want to talk about that's in here? This is your podcast, not mine. Oh, right, right. Now go, go, go. Okay. <laughs> you lead the way. But what's this creepy thing? Is that like some app? Uh, this, uh, this, this was like a face mashup. Can you tell who's been mashed up here? I can't. It's you, and <laughs> no, but it's who's not. the top part? No. The bottom part's not you? No, although I could see that. I, I take it's it as a possible. Compliment. Um, that's br- that pointy chin. <laughs> it's Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> that's creepy. Yeah, they should never procreate. Clearly, no, no, no. <laughs> wow, um, congrats- that's funny. She she looks good with a beard. Yeah, you know, I mean, she could probably look good with anything. It's feminine. <laughs> um, I'm gonna get the congratulations out of the way first up. Okay, the yeah. Florida Project is such a great piece of work, man. You, should, you should feel Thank very you. proud of it. Good. Um, I like it. As we tape this today, I think this is your big premiere at the New York Film Festival. It is. I, I leave basically to get dressed up and go. Do the carpet, which I'm sure is what you live for at this point in your life. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know. You know who I am. I've, yeah, <laughs> you I got my number. <laughs> so, but yeah, and you've made the rounds for this a bit already. Ken, I think, was where it debuted. Yep. I wasn't there, though, oh, okay. um, which is a shame because I wanted to be, but I was just starting Aquaman, and that was shooting in Australia. And they, I, you know, it was the difficult because DC of the time. People weren't able to quite make it work. Well, you know what? They were very generous with this kind of thing. But I was just starting. Yeah. It would have postponed. Uh, yeah, it wasn't possible. So uh, Australia is far away in case I've you heard. don't know. I'm not, I'm not very good with geography, but I know that much. You can to uh, <laughs> Brisbane is, is a tough commute. I'm taking one about the longest trips of my life in a few days. I've never been to Japan. I'm doing a two-week vacation. Oh, have a wonderful time. Have you ever it's been? A, oh, many, many times. I love Japan. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little intimidated. It's a, Where are you going? Gonna... I assume you're going Tokyo, Kyoto, oh, Osaka. That's so cliched. And me too. That's... But Those like in are first... basically the only places I've been there a lot. And yeah. That's basically the places I know. It's so overwhelming. Tokyo, as you well know, if you've been Fantastic. alone, is you could go there your entire life. I mean, yeah. I lived in New York my entire life. I still don't know New York. I don't feel. Right. Have you studied? 
we're studying. My wife is the real consummate yeah, traveler, yeah. Okay. And, I and I trust okay. we complement each no, other. It's well. good to have a guide. Exactly. Um, so I want to talk about a couple things uh, since we have some time throughout your career. As I was yep. going back, I was refreshing my memory on some of the projects that I've in particular loved. Uh, one that I think is your high point is the procedure. Uh, okay. Wow. <laughs> can we start there? <laughs> yeah, we can start wherever you want. The procedure was fun. The procedure is an, like honestly is one of my favorite short pieces of comedy content I've ever seen. You know, shorts are not my form, but that was fun. But have you seen have you seen the uh, Mind the Gap? Oh, I don't know if I have. You gotta check that out. Okay, if I like the procedure, I'll like Mind the Gap. Very different, but it's a short okay. comic thing. Uh, Mind the Gap is. I made it with a Russian guy, so it's a little more right. existential. Gotcha. It gets into the, the experimental part of your oeuvre. Yes and no. Okay, okay. But the procedure, for those that don't know, and you must immediately Google it, this was uh, Adam McKay wrote and directed it, and it was an SNL short that never aired, right? I don't know. I, I don't, I, I, it may not have aired. It was a very casual thing. It was like I was, someone called the theater and said... Um, Listen, if we send you something, would you be willing to do it like this weekend? And that was like a Thursday, you know. Yeah. So then they send me a couple of pages and I go to an empty office building and Adam McKay and Will Farrell and some other people are there and uh, we do this thing real quick and it's fun. Do you have, I mean, are you the kind of person that has always had a, because if you look at the filmography, there's not a tremendous amount of comedy. There, there, there's some. If you count the Wes Anderson stuff, there, that's... Oh, that's, that's high comedy. I mean, you know, Bobby Peru is high comedy, yeah, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, particularly... Eh, no, I'm, listen, you're right. I'm not... Most people don't associate me with comedy. But, but it's all about coming in through the back door. Right. <laughs> is that though like your predilection or how others see you you think is it is it um you know i i think i think uh, my i think just in general uh when people do comic projects they get comedians or they get funny people right and i'm not a funny person but i love to do comedy right you know what i mean uh so the casting or the conception is quite obvious sometimes and sure. there's certain stock comic types and certain people that cut their teeth in clubs and all that. And it's a, it's a culture that I'm not necessarily a part of. So I don't get invited to do, you know, broadly comic things because they don't associate me with that world. Right. And uh, they don't know whether I'm funny or not. Just look at the procedure. Look at Wild at Heart. Look at <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Wes Anderson. Uh, there's but yeah, other things. But you're, Mr. You're, Bean. Mr. Bean. <laughs> Surely a high point for you. But it must be, I mean, yeah, you would fit, I could see you fitting in like the Cone Brothers world. Oh, yeah. And, and I, you know, I've known them for years and uh, uh, I'm always surprised we haven't worked together. What can I say? Have you talked about anything specifically over the years? Oh, yeah, we have. We have. But once, once we talked about something very specifically, and it's one of my great regrets, I just couldn't do it. Because uh, no, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> uh, because I was unavailable. And then once they asked me to do a really fun little cameo in um, in Big Lebowski. And no, but a really small thing. I think that David Thewlis ended oh, up yeah. doing. Uh, it was like an Italian people. intellectual on the phone or something. Right, right, right. Which was funny because later I moved to Italy. But anyway. <laughs> um, uh, 
you, I couldn't do that. When you, when you see, uh, you know, for the role, which I understand why you wouldn't mention that went to somebody else for whatever reason, when you see somebody else do something that you were considering or that for whatever timing didn't work right, out, right. Is that, does that taint the role or taint the performance forever for you? Um, no, no. You know, sometimes, sometimes uh, you say, oh, yeah, that's the film they were making. I would have been terrible in that. Right. Or if I would have done it, it would have been better. You know, you, you have got, you've got an imagination about those things. Sure. And it depends on the circumstances. If it was, you know, kind of practical and it was just one of those things that couldn't work out and everybody was cool, then you, you have an, you, you know, your family, so then you're kind of generous with it. But right. if, there, if it went down lousy and right. it was like a competitive thing and you were heartbroken, then you tend to say, I didn't want to do it anyway. <laughs> exactly. I mean, somewhere, you know. It's like, so that's what they want to do. Boy, was I wrong, you know? It's like seeing uh, yeah. an old girlfriend, you know, married to a schmuck. <laughs> do you, you don't have to audition at this point. When's the last time you auditioned you know, for something? I, I don't know, but, you know, there's always... You do know, they not call them auditions? I've done it's very little auditioning, <laughs> but there's plenty of um, scrutiny, and there's, uh, you know, sometimes there's lots of... Uh, sometimes, you know, you have to lobby and, mm. you know... Because it depends who you're you're dealing with, you know. Sometimes it depends who holds the cards. Yeah. And me, because I'm attracted to director-driven projects, the director usually holds the cards. Mm-hmm. But that's very rare. That's why my work is all over the place, you know. Well, especially in studio-driven films nowadays, yeah. where the director, unless your name is Spielberg or. I mean, you know, name five. There are only five of them. Right. They get someone, really... some bean counter, telling them that the it's, number, it's the logarithms don't. Don't. Q score is just not what it used to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but listen, I'm not complaining. Um, that's not bad. And and the truth is, as I get older, um, even the the studio executives, because they're they're you know they will be aware of me and they know a history, you know, they're actually more receptive than they've ever been. Yeah. And I would think something, even though it's, it goes back a little bit of ways now, but doing those Spider-Man films, like that will always be on the resume as a proof that like, I can, you know, I can carry the load in a franchise like that. Somewhat, somewhat, Somewhat. you know, so let's go back to people have short memories (laughs) for better and for worse. (laughs) (laughs) There've been two more iterations of Spider-Man already. I mean, guys, um, Let's go back to the beginning, the beginnings sure. if we could. So, I mean, okay. were, did you come from a family that kind of appreciated the arts to, that was... Um, in a very Midwestern, you know, uh, nice way, you know, <laughs> a comfy way, you so know. Wisconsin, my parents, yeah. Wisconsin. My mother was from Boston. My father was from Wisconsin. He was extremely... He, he, got, he was a farm boy, that got, a country boy that got an extremely good education. Mm-hmm but decided he could have practiced anywhere. He was a doctor, but he decided to move back to Wisconsin and dragged my mother, kicking and screaming, to the Midwest. Um, they had lots of kids. Occasionally they'd escape to Chicago for, you know, a little honeymoon. And part of that was always going to shows or going shopping. And I only mention this because they would bring stuff back for us, mm. you know, uh, albums of musicals they had seen. Uh, they would also bring super, uh, not super, eight millimeter mm-hmm. uh, condensed versions of horror films. We had a little Battle and Howell, Howell projector. Oh, amazing. And so when I was young, you know, I watched things like Frankenstein over and over and over again, freeze framing, you know. Sure. I enjoyed it. 
I, I screened it for kids in the neighborhood, charged them money, you know, like a little theater. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good. <laughs> um, so I'd say that gives you a little flavor. Mm-hmm. And then uh, as a kid, there, there, was a univer- there was a couple of universities, but there was a, a, a good private university. Uh, what do you call them, private? Yeah, if they aren't state, they're private. Everything's private, sure. right? Uh, called Lawrence University. And they had a drama center. And in the summer, they'd hire someone from New York to come and have a summer theater uh, program. Mm-hmm. So when I was a kid, I participated in that. And uh, Was that know, hugely exciting to see this exotic creature from New York that, with this, these artistic... Um, a little bit. Yeah. Because, you know, they were, they were slumming it. They were coming to have a little break. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, one in particular uh, taught at a school here. And I think he maybe directed some shows here. I met him years later. He was a very nice guy. You know, they, it was there for their gave them an opportunity yeah. with a little budget and with some local people to do the musicals that they loved and that sort of thing. Nice. You know. So, what, what kind of like a kid or teenager were you? I know you have the distinction of being both a high school and college dropout, which yeah. is a unique. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's the be? I'm proud. We should be. <laughs> it all worked out in the end. It's fine. <laughs> the road less traveled. Right. <laughs> um, anyone can Strewn do it. with beer cans. Anyone can do it once. Folks <laughs> can do it twice and still succeed. That's who I want to talk to. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Um, were you, I mean, no, were you, you know, no I, were you kind of like, did you have a good head on your shoulders? Were you kind of, I, you know, I was, uh, no, I think uh, when I, when I grew up, I, I was, uh, you know, it's a town of 50,000 people. I came from a big family. And as much as you can be, my father was respected. He was, you know, as I said, he was very well educated and, and you know, refined, nice. Mm-hmm. But he was a country boy, too. So people were aware of my family. And also, maybe because of my mother's accent, we all sounded different. And we looked quite alike. Mm-hmm. And there were eight of us. So I could be on the other side of town and someone would say, hey, you're a Defoe. Right. So I had this kind of illusion that we were special. Mm. And I think for many years I, you know, behaved myself because I had the uh, family reputation. Exactly. <laughs> family crest, the Defoe crest. And, and I had my, you know, striving, <laughs> ambitious, you know, uh, activity-filled, good student brothers and sisters to sure. um, follow because I was toward the end. Mm. And that worked for a while. <laughs> and I was on the straight and narrow. But then I think when I was, a, you know, started to become a te- teenager, not bragging about being wild or anything, but I just really deeply remember. And it probably was associated with getting involved in the theater and mixing with New York types and people that I didn't normally meet and yeah. uh, gay people that were out and people that were doing drugs and, you know, sure. people that were kind of hidden in Appleton, Wisconsin. So I started realizing there was another world out there that wasn't obeying the rules mm. or was, uh, you know, marching to a different drummer. So I think that kind of marked me. And then I had a few things happen in school that I thought were really repressive and not good. And, you know, I just wanted to get out of there. What, what kind of stuff in school? Oh, uh, classically, um, well, just, you know, bad teachers, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, stupid people, yeah. uh, narrow people. Uh, there were great people where I grew up, but there, were, there was also culturally, there was, and also in my family, there was a, a you know, a tightness, uh, a very Germanic, uh, very, you know, 
don't owe but anybody anything, you know, be self-reliant, you know, it's up to you. Sure. It's, it was the kind of very industrious, you know, not very flexible way of being. A yeah. striving, you know, get in, the, get in the race, beat the other guy, you know. The stuff that, uh, you know, with time you start to question. What did they make of it, what did the family, the brothers and sisters, the parents make of it when you bolted for New York and embarked on this you know, unusual theater career. They were fine. They were fine, you know, and I don't joke. It's really true. When there's many, you can let a couple go. And also, my parents got tired, you know. They both worked together. They, when I came around, they weren't in the house very much. I think my older siblings, they had a, you know, beaver, cleaver, picket fence life. Mm-hmm. By the time I got there, it was all broken down. I was raised by my sisters. My mother tried to be a a super woman, you know, work yeah. and you can only put and on everything that kind of like and, show and for she, so long. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work, you know. Yeah. So um, everybody was like, yeah, whatever, and they were busy with their lives. So yeah. I never felt a heaviness or a rejection. The only thing is that my father. It's funny. I used to get annoyed when people would talk about my past. Here I am, sixty-two years old, and I'm talking about what it was like when I was fifteen. But <laughs> for some reason, maybe you get some more reflective. Are... I don't mind it. <laughs> okay, <now>. good. I'm... <laughs> or I'm not going to scold you for no, it. No, you I'll, I'll play. But let's move on no. pretty quick. Um, what, where was I um, before I took that little well, no, let's, sidebar? Well, let's, let's talk. We were talking about the, what the family made of your your move to New York. So let's talk about New York because well, it wasn't just New York. I mean, because I got waylaid a little bit. I worked with a company and. Uh, I went to school for a little bit, and uh, I started taking classes at a university. Yeah. And then eventually I wanted to move on, and I was reading about people in New York, and I wanted to go there. And then I started working. I I was going to move there, and then I got called back to the Midwest by a company Mm. because they offered me a job and to go touring. and, And so I started working with this company for a couple of years, a company called Theater X. It was a self run. We made our own plays. It was quite, quite a great experience for me. And we got picked up by a European producer who started introducing us to a whole circuit in Europe of touring. Yeah. I stayed with them for a while, and then I really um, felt like I wanted to do different kind of work because this was all kind of literature-based, and the strongest personality was a guy named John Schneider, and he was the director and the writer, and I felt like he was great, Not but I felt like it was his no, he was very collaborative. But he had, he had one view of who I was, and I wanted to have uh, yeah. more flexibility. I think, and I was ambitious, so I think I moved to New York essentially to become a commercial theater actor. I thought, you know, by then I thought, hey, maybe I can make a life of this, you know, but. But that's not what we would call... That's not what happened. That's That's not not what happened. (laughs) What happened is I got here, and I just found myself always going downtown and seeing performance and and the people I was meeting that I was most interested in. We're doing this other thing. Um, So that idea of knocking on doors and, you know, praying for Broadway really went out the window very fast. And I just wanted to hang out with these people. So basically, I... Washed up on Wooster Street and, you know, tried to make myself useful. Richard Schechner, who then ran the performance group, Mm. um, invited me to do small parts and things. And I was working as a carpenter and helping out and just getting paid a very, very minimal salary and, like, taking small jobs on the side just to live. But being at the theater most of the time. And then slowly, 
I kind of insinuated myself into the fabric of the company that morphed into the Wooster Group, and then I spent 27 years with them. Um, and my identity in those days was really theater actor, downtown, mid-class, middle-class kid from the uh, Midwest, not very sophisticated, but hungry and uh, kind of embracing this idea of being an artist yeah, yeah, as curious. opposed to showbiz. So, What was your attitude about, like, commercial filmmaking? And, like, I mean, did you have I wasn't a bit that of... interested in Yeah. That's not what, you know, I was... Because my eyes were opening. My eyes were opening to foreign cinema, you know, to different uh, political things, different ways of living, mm-hmm. uh, different, uh, you know, uh, coupling arrangements, you know, everything, everything that was going on. Yeah. Um, so that's what was happening. And I wasn't really thinking about career. I was thinking about just getting through the month, you know? Yeah. And, but I didn't care because I was having these experiences and I was meeting people that I thought were smarter than me, were more talented than me, were more, more turned on than me. And I liked being around them. So I think I just was happy to be around those people at the Wooster Group at the beginning. And then I started working and, um, you know, I remember like I, I did a play at the performance group and none of them knew their dialogue at all in the beginning. And I thought, these guys are bums. They're, they, you know, they're terrible. I came first day like a good student. I knew all my text and everything. And they... It's the Defoe work ethic. The <laughs> Defoe work ethic was biting me in the ass. But, you know, these people weren't prepared in the traditional way. They yeah. weren't ambitious in the t- traditional way. They were... They were all involved in their personal stuff, you know. I thought, what's this, you know? So I had a little reserve, like, you know, they're cool and they do great work. But when I got in the process, I thought, really? This is how they make things? And I think that's when I broke the back of the striving thing. I mean, still to this day, I'm very disciplined and I'm a hard worker. But the approach, the, the, uh, the flexibility in process and how to get there and how to make things has changed radically. You can't force these things. And those very people that couldn't remember their dialogue for the longest time ended up being fabulous in the show, and right. I probably was a little tight, you know? Yeah, it doesn't crush your spirit in the ensuing decades where you go onto a film set, and it's maybe it is more of a job for somebody and less of kind of like an all-consuming life, but they do get the job done in yes. their own way. And I and I, and I start, started to learn that, and I think that had... You know, the Wooster Group, I, I, you know, when you reflect on your past, uh, they really shaped how I approach performing and how I approach making things and somehow, also somewhat how you integrate your work into your life yeah. and where your identity sits and what your ambitions are and where it fits in with your, for lack of a better word, let's say, uh, not only sentimental life but spiritual life. Yeah. Because yeah. and hearing some other times you, you've, you've talked about your approach, uh, you've said a couple things that have str- really struck me. Like uh, one is that you know this isn't so shocking. I've heard other actors talk about like physicality and how important mm-hmm. that is, but it sounds like that's where you really come yeah. from. I believe in the wisdom of the body, and I feel like when you're doing things, you're liberated. You're you know it's you become like an athlete. Mm. It's you're not you know you're not conjuring emotions. You're doing things, and out of the doing come reactions and come emotions it's it's much right. more organic you know so you know, a, 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 i you... think of you know 
this isn't quite the same thing, but I think, you know, uh, T.S. Eliot always talked about poetry being an escape from emotion mm-hmm. in its precision, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's also, you've, you've even said that the script sometimes is, that's not necessarily your Bible, or the words aren't that important, or, or what? Is nah. that saying too much, or is that... No, no, you're in the right neighborhood. I would just say that often, you know, we... Uh, so much of the acting tradition comes from the theater. Mm. And in the theater, the traditional theater, uh, literature is king. The playwright is king. You know, Shakespeare sits on the throne, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think what's beautiful, not only about theater, but especially about movies, is the space between the notes, number one, and also color, light, sound, all that stuff. Uh, Particularly in film, you're capturing, you know, poetic moments that reveal you know it's not just about structuring you know everybody talks about narrative everybody talks about story everybody talks about psychology because that's we're trained to um digest this stuff Mm. but i think the greatest films and the greatest experiences and the most um enlightening and liberating ones are ones that are beyond description are, are are difficult to explain you can, so that's not saying you quit, but I'm just saying we go to the easy, uh, the easy analysis, yeah. and and then we start to believe the old, uh, you know, the old uh, rules sure. about what what is valuable. And making stuff is all about challenging how we think. I think not, you know, just to keep us alive, you know, so we don't get stuck. I mean, I think the whole idea is. You know, you got to move through life, and you got to be fluid, and you got to take on stuff it, because the second you try to kind of shore everything up, and that's what we're trained to do, and that's what human nature is. Mm. You know, you get burdened down, and then you have so many gods that you have to, have to serve to try to live that you aren't living. So I would imagine. I mean, the way you were just talking. I'm getting a little out there. Let's no, get no, back to acting. No, it's, no, it's good. No, it's good though because, like, I mean, I think about some of the early roles that I saw you in in film and. Um, you know, one of the, the er, relatively early ones that really made an impact on me and many others was Platoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think of someone like Oliver Stone, who I talk about a lot on this, this podcast, because mm-hmm. um, uh, I admire a lot of his work and I find him fascinating as a, as a man and a filmmaker. And I know he's a challenging man, a man that likes to challenge actors and mm-hmm. kind of gets off on kind of like the friction and that mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Not always. Well, that, he uh, was always sweet with me. Was he? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he's, he, you know, he he's a little perverse and he likes to tease but he never he never went after me you know what, so what are what are what are the first memories that come to mind when you think back to platoon oh i just remember there was the script that you know was really interesting and i remember meeting oliver and thinking wow he's not like any hollywood people i've met right. you know i mean at that point he had made things and he was respected. He was respected as a writer. And, yeah, and, and even before that, Platoon, yeah. he had made movies. Um, probably most notably for me was Salvador, right. which had Woods, beautiful yeah. things in it. Mm-hmm. It was a good movie. Um, so I go in there and I meet this guy. And it's kind of like the old thing about it's a through line for me. You know, this is an interesting guy. I want to be around him. I want to catch some of his stuff, you know. And... I want to help him do what he wants to do because I like him well enough and I'm attracted to what he's doing. So it's almost like <laughs> I want to be a good soldier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny because... You, uh, you know, because that's, that's a good place to be when you start to... Um, 
surrender to to a mission to a cause yeah you have to believe in your leader and the cause and the project and all yeah that. and it because then you then you can you're more flexible i think yeah. because then you're not pushing to um you're going you have the possibility to address impulses that you wouldn't normally have mm. because you're you're task oriented you're going towards something that you don't quite know what it is rather than trying to explain how you're feeling or wh- how you're thinking you're having experiences and you're reacting to it so in that respect i've always been and hope i will always be something of an adventurer yeah an adventurer that you you know a film is about ca- capturing you know something uh, particularly and 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 to do that you have to stir it up a little bit you've got to have an experience that makes you have a shift in your understanding and and you know it's like when you travel someplace you can either be a tourist and do all the things that people tell you to do and you can check the boxes and you can experience it and you can tick the card and you can feel better for it sure. it's not like it's without but, but to really travel yeah. you know there's there's tourists and there's pilgrims you know <laughs> Well, and and you yeah. go there and you you know you're transformed i want to be transformed not because i dislike myself but i think you're transformed anyway and you ought to participate in an in an active way and yeah. the beautiful thing about being an actor you can do it in a structured way that you feel safe because it's it's an exercise it's a you're making a work so it's not your life it's a part of your life so then you're given permission to do things that you'd never do in life yeah it's interesting too. You keep coming back to, and I'm not surprised. That it's it's about it's about the people too. It's always been about the people, whether it was when you came to New York and the people you were attracted to here and filmmakers. Now it's it's about who you want to hang with and who yeah. can stimulate you. And, and don't who, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not like the most social guy. You know, I don't have lots of friends. I travel too much to have lots of friends. I I go from movie to movie. You know, you make families and then you leave them. You really do. Yeah. Um, but I do love people, and that's that's um, that is something tangible you can take, and yeah. you can feel you can feel life when you affect other people. You know, yeah. I, sometimes I think the greatest profession is being a teacher. You know, because that whole thing—I mean, it's said often, but it's really true—that that the teachers that that you know helped you in your life, they're with you forever. Yeah. And there's something beautiful about that because somewhere, you know, we're here to help each other. Do you, do you feel when you're on a set, I mean, bringing it to, to Florida Project for a bit, you're, you know, you're working with some young actors, mm-hmm. you're working with some non-professionals, mm-hmm. which again is probably, probably part of the appeal of the adventure for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Do you feel, talking about like teaching, is it, in, is it part of your job to teach or is it, <laughs> is it on them and then Sean to kind of figure it out? No, themselves? no, they didn't need teaching. I mean, I, it was more for me to go there and fit in, you know, and that's sort of your job always, to get the lay of the land and then become a f- part of the fabric, you know, be a color in the tapestry. Well, it's interesting you say that actually, because like the worry in something like this, I would think, I don't know if it was a worry for you, but it was almost for me is like, you're pretty much the only name recognizable face in there. And it's like, is that going to take me out of it? It doesn't to your credit and to Sean's credit. It doesn't at all. No, but... because I knew, t- I knew Sean the way he talked. I mean, I only knew one of his movies at that point, uh, which was Tangerine. And, and you know, it's... Well, just his, his, he likes mixing, 
you know, the actual with the fictitious. And he likes mixing, you know, street casting with actors. I like that too. Yeah. And the other thing is, it's not so strange because even on a big studio movie, sometimes you're acting with actors that come from very different traditions. And some, one can be a male model, you know, one can be a cook, yeah. one can be highly trained. You know, you theater actor. Uh-huh. <laughs> She's multi-talented. Okay. Uh, that's a bad example right now. <laughs> but she was great, I, I will say. That movie didn't quite fly every place, but uh, I liked her. Yeah, I liked can't her. can't forget it. Okay. Um, <laughs> when do you think about it? Let's <laughs> say that for the second conversation. But... Um, Anyway, where were we? Sorry, I did. I, that was my fault. That's okay. Um, Am I so weak? Uh, <laughs> weak? Yeah, then I can't keep my train of thought. No, no. Aye, aye, okay, aye. We're on Florida project. We're talking about, yeah, you're saying on any project, you're working with people oh, yeah. in various disciplines. And so it's always rooms. about, yeah. you know, uh, I'm always struck that every time you uh, do a project, and this is the beauty of it, it's always different. Yeah. Be- not, it's a collect- in film. And to some degree, theater as well. But, you know, it's so collaborative. There's so many moving pieces. And you, one of the first jobs you have is, what is your job? What are we trying to do? And what is the world? There's probably other questions, but those are the ones that it's come to busy. mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, And the people you factor in. And the thing about film is, because it's collaborative, I've seen people that, you know, couldn't, put two sentences together and they pop on film right. you know because it's a combination of light mm-hmm. sound how they look how they're cut there's so many things and then I've also seen the opposite of someone that burned so hot when you're in the room with them in a scene and you think this is the greatest actor I saw, I've ever seen and then you see the film and you it's think it's, it's, wow it, it, it doesn't just, yeah. it just doesn't work so there's still a mystery. Um, you know, you see tendencies, you see, you do learn things. It's not like it's a total question mark every time you go out there. But it's not a direct one-to-one where you can track it. No. So I'm just saying that when you get there, you got to look around you and say, what are we doing? And, and apply yourself. Yeah. And uh, so in this case, Sean described very well that we were shooting in a real working motel. I was going to play the manager of the motel. There were these people there. But there were so many elements that kind of paralleled and informed, you know, the life elements, the real elements, Mm -hmm. paralleled our fiction elements, that it's kind of a dream because it helps with your pretending. I mean, I I had concrete things to do. I had work to do. I had to learn how to be a, a motel manager. I had, in the scenes, I... I had to learn strategies, ways to, um, you know, placate these people or get them into line. Mm. And that's, that's mostly my job in the movie. So am I worried about my responsibility? Or You know, the only thing that I could do is because they're aware that I've made movies before and they haven't, they're wonderfully, because of Sean's generosity, his intelligence and his gentleness, that they weren't that conscious of making a movie. We were making this thing, you know, mm-hmm. and we were doing these things. He was very good at making it, particularly for the children, play. 
Right. He did everything to make it easy for them and to make play. And someone like Bria Venate, who is uh, you know one of the lead characters, she she was in the groove immediately because I think something in her life, maybe it's because she came to this country when she was a young girl and she had lots of catching up to do and mm. she had a different perspective than your average person. She she understood kind of the uh, the outsideness of this character and yeah. the struggle of this character somewhere deeply. And she, as soon as I saw her, I thought, where is this woman from? I don't think she's an actress, but man, she's she's she is this character. Yeah. That's all you want. So the only thing that I probably did was, you know, show them that I'm not a jerk, show that I'm an actor that's, uh, you know, worked in movies, but I still show up on time. I, you know... There, you know, I don't recognize hierarchies. I try to help the director. I try to be patient, and I um, try to, you know, be sweet and generous. You know, just be a good guy, basically. <laughs> and that kind of fell in, sort of, with the job. You yeah. know, with the character. So, yes, I was an accomplice with Sean to make sure things run smoothly mm-hmm. because I had some experience. But it's not like you think. I, I did not have to tell anybody about a camera or about makeup or about how to phrase something or how to memorize a line or how to move. I didn't do any of that because, you know what, it wasn't necessary. <laughs> are, are you surprised at this point in your career at the, at the ones that that seem to resonate with the critics or audiences? This one clearly is, and, and I'm sure you went into it with, with optimism, but you've been through it enough that no, some, for whatever sure. reason, don't work for people. <laughs> Once again, um, is it not about that at this point? Does it not even matter? Or is well, it... you know, I think there's, uh, you know, there are films that that uh, you know, kind of sort of come out of nowhere by an industry standard, right. and they resonate and they can get out there, and people can, you know, they are for a big audience, mm. and I think this is one of them. It'll be challenging. And so far, the critics have been very helpful because they put a little spotlight on this small movie yeah. and they've kind of um, just... I, I really don't read critics, but I'm aware because I'm doing publicity that the response is positive. I'm not selling anything here. But I'm happy about that because this little movie seems to capture something that people are interested in right now. Yeah. And, you know, it has to do with, I, I think, something... It's a good movie, but it also has a humanist perspective that people are missing now in movies and something that they're concerned about particularly these days how we treat each other um how do we deal with uh people that fall through you know the social uh welfare network you know um these things but it also has the trick of it's not really depressing it's not it's a beautifully made it's 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 actually it's also it's got a kind of sweet sweet take on childhood It's just that shadowed by the realities of uh, children in this situation, which is people that are basically don't have a permanent residence and are living long-term temporarily, temporarily (laughs) long-term residents at a budget motel in the shadow of the amusement parks in Central Florida. Um, It's a world that exists. It doesn't only exist in Central Florida. Uh, There's many other places exist after the... um, a financial crash and the housing crisis, there were a lot of people that had trouble finding homes. Mm. And here we are, this wealthy country that uh, has an enormous defense budget, 
that goes all around the world trying to protect our way of life. Well, our way of life is great, but uh, sometimes we don't take care of our own people. Topical as we tape this and with our presidents and Puerto Rico, to say the least. Um, but that, again, that's a longer conversation. A but this, this isn't finger wagging. Yeah. It's, it's very personal. It's, it's, it's about people. It's, a, it's, it's about people yeah. and um, about cycles and how to break cycles and uh, you know, how people interact mm. with uh, a tough situation. And one of the things I like so much about the Bobby character is he's a very normal guy, really. But he's trying to make the best of a challenging situation. And I think it, it you know, it's, I think that's moving. Uh, the thing that moves, moves me in movies is when people try to help each other. Yeah. It's the thing that makes me cry. Yeah. You know, it's the thing that says, oh, God, I got to be nicer. You know, I got to be better. We got to do better, you know? Yeah. And while I say it, it sounds a little soft. I think it's really important. And I think that, um, all movies run on that because, um, you know, we do, we do need each other and we need to help each other. You know, it's still so many miseries of the world come from man's inability to sit alone in his room. <laughs> um, there, there's not nearly enough time to cover the films I want to do in your career, but let me just throw out a couple of films and filmmakers if that's cool. Um, it's, it struck me, you've worked with Schrader. Awful. Many times, Paul many Schrader, times. like, keeps coming back to you, you keep coming back to him. Yeah. Yep. What's, what's been the, again, just somebody that you click with and you like the way he works and you like the... You know, I've had, you know, I don't always work with him. I mean, if there's, you know, I like returning to directors that I had a good time with, but if there's nothing to do, like in his last movie, he, he really said there's nothing here for you. Right. I mean, you could play the bad guy, but I don't, no, you don't want to play the bad guy, right. for example. Right. Um, I think I like, broadly speaking, because I'm not sure everybody knows his films so well, mm. I like how he, uh, broadly speaking, how he deals with very hot-button, uh, emotional uh, things in a very kind of aestheticized and cool way, yeah. in a way that you can see it. So he really doesn't work an audience. He, he's, he's got a cinema language that he can express himself without just beating people up, uh, you know, cathartically. So there's always a little distance. So you can be, you can uh, experience what's happening emotionally, but you also can see. Mm. You don't get so overwhelmed with a good cry or uh, an identification that you lose uh, a context. So I think somewhere he, you know... He's a teacher. He's an intellectual. He plays with... He, he's a cinephile. He knows film language. So although he's usually working with a modest budget, yeah. he's, he's very clear about what he wants to um, play with. And when you're in his m movies, uh, he does a lot of his work in casting. And uh, once you create a kind of trust and a kind of shorthand with him, you know, it's it's a pleasure. He gives you fun things to do. He's had a fascinating career. I mean, I mean your collaborations include Light Sleeper, Affliction. There are a whole bunch of them. His, his new one's gone amazing. Dog Eat Dog. Dog Eat Dog, right. Actually, I confess I'm behind on that one. And oh, I know, you're going to see it. It's, I, oh, really? It's a, yeah, it's a little 
wacky. Okay, good. I like wacky, <laughs> as you can hopefully tell. I don't, now. <laughs> I don't like the word, but I think it very, That's very well may be at wacky. <laughs> but it's got teeth. Reviews. It's got to- teeth, too. Um, Lars von Trier is a fascinating um, character. He's a great filmmaker. filmmaker. Yeah, he's and, a great he, filmmaker. And, and he's obviously there's been a lot of conversation with him over a lot of different films and the things he's said. He's very he can be very outspoken. Um, is is what's the what's the misnomer about him? What's the ah, okay? Good. I think he's you know he's a he's a great filmmaker. Um, he has an uncanny talent to you know, deal with taboos that nobody can even get near Mm. because of his personal psychological makeup. And then he's like so strong just uh, with his film language that, you know, something like Antichrist, it's strong. It's going to repel a lot of people. And they can totally misidentify, you know, they can call him misogynist where he's dealing with certain things that are uniquely gender issues about about motherhood and about sexuality yeah. that no one else can even touch, I think. And uh, he does it in a way that is filmic. It's not dry. He, he, has, he has kind of naturally an appreciation for, or for um, a kind of, I wouldn't even say storytelling, but he makes images and events that are unforgettable and are unique. I mean... The three beggars in, uh, which is the the crow, the fox, and the deer, in that theme in Antichrist, is you know just makes you want to weep. It's so beautiful. It's so it expresses something that um, is so cinematic. Yeah. Uh, no, I love working with him, and his relationship to actors is always strange. You know, he the camera is very fluid. He likes you not to know where the camera is, and while he has plans very specifically, and on some stuff he's very um, technical, there are huge sections where he really wants you to, you know, go off the page and invent and mm. and and feel loose, you know, because he doesn't care about the writing. He's very meticulous about it, but at the same time, like like a mantra, he says, "Listen, we only need one." You know, everybody's trying to craft a better take, a better take. He doesn't care. Yeah, twenty takes, two takes, one take, a half a take. So he's thrilling to be with because it challenges your sense of accomplishment. It cha- challenges your sense of um, telling a story because every time you kind of get your feet, he pulls the rug out from under you, and when that happens enough, you're comfortable with that sensation of falling <laughs> the first five times maybe or yeah, yeah. and when you're falling and, and when you're falling uh if you're not scared interesting things can happen <laughs> when you're off balance and you're not scared because you recognize the feeling that's when you can fly it strikes me you've done almost no television in your right. career yeah. is, is, i mean and, and that especially in 2017 where like yeah. the biggest movie stars on the planet are doing yeah, it's HBO the, series it's the place to get famous and rich now <laughs> it's, but it's, I mean, i'm sure you've had offers so is that is that a concerted like literally you have not done like a guest star outside of like the simpsons i think in your you know, career you know i don't know tv and i'm you know i could i could talk to you about the differences but i'd prefer not to right now i think there is a difference People keep on saying no. I don't believe it. 
but I'm not qualified to say because I've never worked in TV. Mm -hmm. I only take that from what my friends tell me mm -hmm. and what I've heard about how it runs and the couple times they've approached me, how they tell me things are going to be structured. You know, I'm a guy that likes working with, uh, you know, Strong author, director. I was going to yeah. say, I mean, that's that. I mean, and, yes. I mean, you know, films aren't run by showrunners. They have terrific, they have terrific um, challenges mm. economically and they have terrific challenges in distribution in getting out to the proper audience. But there is still a possibility, at least somewhat, to go someplace with a group of people with the kind of idea of a mission. You go out in the jungle, something happens, you collect the stuff, you order it, and then you present it. Where TV is more industrial it doesn't by its very nature. Yeah, it's, because it's... You, you can because you're you've got an audience. You've got an audience in film, too, but it's flexible. Uh, you know, where it'll go is not so sure. There's more a role of the Dyson film. Sure. And then of also the language of film. TV is very story-driven, very psychological, very character-driven. People talk about the long form. Yes, it's beautiful in many ways, but it also makes actors a little paunchy because you've got time. You've got time, and you become friends with the audience, you know? But that's all conjecture no, because I, I don't know TV. I appreciate so, and I love that listen, you are worshiping at the altar of film because that's what I, I grew up on okay. and I hope it never... I do. <laughs> I do and I feel a little bit like an old crank in a no. sucker because I know great people that can go back and forth and have no problem and I know great people that only work in TV. So don't get me wrong. I'm not a crank. But for me, I'm not there yet. I don't know about it. Yeah. And um, also, you know, I have enough time finding hard enough time lately finding enough time to do the things I want in theater and film without worrying about TV. Because, you know... It takes up a lot of time. It takes up a lot of time, and once you commit, you commit for a long time. If it was the right thing, I might do it. But, I, you know, also I get a little scared that, you know, I'd, I'd went, end up driving onto a lot, parking my car in a space with my name on it, going, having the same makeup person, have her hand me a coffee cup as I walk in with my name on it, sit down in the chair, you know, and talk about my family. You know, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And maybe that's not it. Maybe that's not it. But that's a fear of mine. So I don't want you starring on CSI Miami 7. If any TV... Well, here's the other thing. You know, it's about... It's relative to what's offered you. And what... Listen... I love performing. I love making things. I would, I would do a lot of um, backing. What do you call it? Back, uh, back paddling. <laughs> <laughs> if I couldn't get interesting film work and the more interesting work that I could find You're still was in TV, attracting so, the right people. So, well, I, I got to make the case for film because I and I, I still love. This is really asking too much, but how beautiful is it on that afternoon? To go to a theater, maybe there's not even that many people in it. It's a dark room. They're strangers. You hear them cough. You, you check them out. Then the lights go out, and you enter this thing. You don't know much about it, and you're doing it with strangers. And you've got to go to it. That's a big thing. Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, TV, it comes to you, and there's a big difference. I think you know how you concentrate, how you commit to it, what your 
asking to happen to you is very much different when it comes to you mm. rather than you going to it. You could say it, you choose, but not really. Fair enough, yeah. man. Uh, congratulations on, on the new film. Um, I hope uh, everybody is, um, is hearing the, the positive word because this is a, a really special piece of work and, and the, the eloquent way you talk about um, the need for film and the, and the value of film today really speaks to my, uh, my heart and I hope it speaks to this audience and I know a lot of you know, film geeks listen to this podcast so I hope they'll check out the Florida Project. Uh, congratulations on this one, man. Great. Thanks. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. (laughs) 